0: Hello and welcome to the Tez Podcast. My name is Ellen the Busby and today I'm joined by Helen Amas. Hello Helen. Hello. And Ed Doyle. Hello Ed. Hello, hello. Hope you've had a very restful half term and going back to school hasn't been too hard.
1: Ooh.
0: Well, yeah, we've been really <laughs> busy here as always. We're always um, busy. Always busy. And we've got a special magazine. It's always special actually. But
1: so, so good.
0: It's very special it this week and we've done a whole piece <laughs> and it's my piece so that's why it's so special
1: <laughs> about, Ellie, why didn't you tell Yeah, let about... me talk
0: about myself
1: me... <laughs> um, about marking
0: which i think is for many secondary school heads a bit of a nightmare
1: it is mm. it's a high stakes world out there isn't it and uh, gcse's are where it's at and yet i think you find a vast majority of teachers have very little confidence in the results that they get back. Yes. And that is in large part, not exclusively, in large part down to the quality of marking that they're faced. You've been looking into this.
0: I have been looking into this. I think it's one of those things, you go out and about, you speak to heads, and it's It's rare that you won't come up in conversation about um, quality of marking and generally feeling like they're not getting a good enough deal. And I think the main reason behind that is the fact that when they get their results in um, August, they then put out a number of requests for reviews, and when they come back, they'll these remarks, they might have changed quite a lot. And so they just think, well, if the initial marking's not right, then what? how do we have any confidence in this system? And this year in particular, with the new GCSEs and new A-levels, um, but this, particularly the maths and English new GCSEs, there's been a bigger spotlight put on um, the system, and especially as a number of schools seem to be reporting big shifts on remark of grades in English, um, English language in particular at GCSE. And that's just making people feel, well, like I said, like complete lack of confidence, especially when English is so high stakes, especially now with Progress 8. Um, mm-hmm. It's double weighted. It's
1: worth double, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I think, uh, and also, um, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Progress 8 scores came out. And at that point, the remarks wouldn't have even been taken into account, yes, it was so insanity, schools are already really. being judged on the data that doesn't include these huge changes in remarks, it would
1: And we're hearing um, empirically, aren't we, that, that there are quite a lot of heads are getting chopped as a result of these Progress 8 schools, yeah. um, which makes the stakes even higher.
0: Yeah, and also heads of departments, you know, English departments in particular, we're hearing more and more from people that... It's, it used to be the most popular job and now in the school mm-hmm. and now people just don't want to do it. So I was speaking to someone this week who said they want to run away from it because of the accountability pressures and I wouldn't be surprised with performance-related pay if often a certain target getting a however many percent of five, um, nine to five um, is in their targets and if these remarks or the marking process isn't right in the first place, they're still being judged on that. Um, by their heads, so it's not just the head teachers; it's also teachers themselves that are being judged on these marks and grades.
1: Is the feeling that it's partly because the subject is so subjective?
0: Yeah, that definitely plays a part. And um, we spoke to a number of people. We spoke to Ofqual. We spoke to the examples... And AQA actually said, you know, English is always going to be a problem. And Ofqual said that before. The idea that you know that you're always going to have two different opinions with something as subjective as mm-hmm. English, and that's something that means that you are going to see those bigger grade changes. Helen, you might know a bit more about this as a former English teacher. A
1: domesticated English teacher. Uh,
0: Yeah,
2: well, I mean, I think one thing as well that's, that that um, we should mention is that it's such a personal issue for teachers as well. You know, this is something they've been teaching these these students for for two years. Um, they're covering courses for the first time, which um, has been a real challenge, having nothing to go on really. Um, what the kind of grade boundary is going to be, and that kind of thing. Um, and if the, the, the students um, aren't getting the grades that you believe they should be getting, or you believe they're capable of getting, and you think that's down to marking, that's a really difficult thing personally. When you and the students have put so much in work into it um, and I think also it's, it's really important for these kids to get the grades to be able to go on to their courses to be able to go on to further study um, so it's not just necessarily something that is affecting your job prospects um, or your pay it's also affecting kind of the life prospects of these students mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's quite a difficult thing for teachers to stomach.
0: It's interesting that uh, what you say about you know the choices. I know Grammar School Heads Association said they were concerned about Year 12 admissions, that a number of pupils may have missed out on a place on an English course at the mm. school because they didn't get the Grade 5 or the Grade 4, whatever was required from the school, mm. maybe even a Grade 6. Um, but then on Remark, they will have got that, um, mm. and, and now it's too late. Mm-hmm. And that kind of all adds into this general vicious cycle that I've been speaking to people about where... We've not really got enough people, or we're having a. There's declining numbers doing English A level now, mm. which means there's less people going on to university to do English as a subject there, and then going on to being teachers. So, so it's a
1: bit like the modern fo- modern foreign languages problem. Yeah, our yeah. uh, vicious cycle is circles. You yeah. know, you can't get more kids teaching German if there aren't any German teachers. Yeah, you know. exactly. No one speaks German anymore. So you know, yeah. and God, if that happened to English as well, that would be yeah. a real horror show, wouldn't it? Oh,
0: well, and the concern is that the. F- the feeling around English being not marked in the right way in the first place is there is a general feeling in the profession that there's not enough quality experienced examiners in English yeah. at the moment and partly people say that is because there's actually not enough quality English teachers and there is this growing shortage yeah. emerging but it just hasn't necessarily been recognised by the government yet because it has been such a focus on STEM um, so I think it's a English well, I, th- I just think this is going to continue, even though this is the first year of the English GCSE, the, with the accountability pressures and just everything. I just think this is going to continue with English. This crisis this is crisis. yet to
1: reach its full yeah. extent. And it will be interesting
0: because, wow. yeah, I mean, if it, if it does keep happening that we can't keep the English teachers or heads of departments, mm. how are we going to get everything examined that by experienced, quality people? Man, oh, it's, it's, an, it's, a, it? it's a mess, as it we say in the, on the front cover of the magazine. The Great Marking Mess. And the Great Marking Mess. It's a hell of a cover. Yeah, it is. It's a very. Uh, this is the thing, they can't it's see flamboyant. it. Flamboyant. They'll have to go to it's the a shop. Flamboyant
1: company. It'll be hard to miss. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's true. Of,
1: <laughs> is it Fuchsia? What's the colour? Fuchsia. Fuchsia, sorry. yeah. Fuchsia.
0: <laughs> <Freisha. laughs> um, and Ed, you've got a piece about the new Institute for Teaching, which was launched yesterday in Salford. It was, yeah. I know
1: I was there. You've been everywhere (laughs) today, this week, Ellie. Matt Hood, who lots of listeners will recognise as a former Teach First, uh, quite a vocal member of the profession, has launched the Institute for Teaching, which is sort of spawned out of the ARC Academy chain, I think it's right to say, Um, with a view to really uh, ratcheting up the quality of uh, teacher CPD. Uh, te- post uh, QTS teacher qualifications, and most importantly, the actual quality of teacher training, mm. is not short of ambition. Um, okay. They really, really want to push up standards, uh, and it, it's really interesting. Matt Matt's piece, which isn't just about the IFT, it's about his his um, philosophy of teacher training, and he's really interesting on the subject that we need. Uh, qualified teacher trainers so you know we're really he says we're really interested in teacher training in this country mm. but we're not really interested in the quality of teacher trainers that that should be a skill set in and of itself mm. it's not just you know washed up teachers or sort of pseudo researchers in schools of education you, you know he wants that to be a really kind of defined skill mm. teaching teachers is absolutely uh, a priority, he says. Mm. What was the What was the event? The launch event like? Ellie?
0: Yeah, so it was good, like you say. Arc is obviously behind it, but there's also a number of multi academy trusts that are behind it, which mm-hmm. I think is quite an interesting thing that so many of them come together to try and do. Yeah, this, they don't
1: so. like talking to each other normally.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so they were all in the room. Then you had uh, Justine Greening there as well um, at the launch, and Amanda Spielman was there. Mm. So lots of big players there. They'd actually had a. Um, I don't know, a round table just before. Um, and I, I would have been interesting to be a fly on the wall in that round table. And Justin Greening alluded to it in her speech, saying it is a very complex thing. Mm. So she, obviously, it's not something that's going to be solved immediately. But it does seem with Justin Greening that she does really want to crack this. I mean, I spoke to her afterwards and um, spoke to her about what, what we need to do. And she did say that it shouldn't just be about everyone who wants a successful career to go into leadership there should be opportunities for expert teachers and people to stay in the classroom if that's what they want to do and not just feel like they have to become an assistant head like we've done before Mm. in previous in our previous magazine we talked about that so it was interesting to hear that from her and yeah, it was it was a good event. Everyone's felt very positive. Obviously, it's very early days, but yeah. it, I do think it's interesting that you've got so many people behind it, and the College of Teaching is also behind it. Even though Alison Peacock can be there, so
1: yeah, it, it is interesting. You know, I worry a bit about developments like the IFC. I, I'm, God knows, I'm not damning. It. I do think it's really kind of theoretically a good idea but I do slightly worry about everyone getting overexcited about it when you know primarily what we need to worry about is just the supply of teachers Mm. you know this this feels like something you might do once you've sorted out teacher supply Mm. it's a sort of uh, I mean Matt would say I'm sure if he were here that one of the, the recruitment crisis isn't just a recruitment crisis, it's a retention crisis mm-hmm. and some of the stuff that he wants to do is about teacher retention and a lot of people say the retention crisis is about CPD. It's about uh, empowering people and supporting people and putting a scaffolding around people so when they get to NQT plus 3 and NQT plus 4 they don't walk out of the profession. Which is fair enough, but I, I would be happier if I thought it was at least in parallel with a really great strategy to source out mm. new entrants as well because yeah, there yeah. just aren't enough of them. Yeah. yeah
0: that's true and whether they can solve something like workload because
2: that is obviously making that's a really. big problem as well. Yeah. yeah,
1: Absolutely and there's no sense that that's being sorted out at all at the moment. No,
2: not at all. But
1: really. one of the things I suspect the people at the IFT would be interested in is neuroscience. Oh
0: <laughs> yes.
1: You find there's a lot of overlap between people who are really interested in the professionalism of teaching CPD and those who are interested in teachers really getting to grips with this embryonic science. Helen, yes. tell us more. Yes.
2: Tell us more about neuroscience. So we've got a piece uh, in the leadership section this week uh, by uh, an Australian uh, teacher, actually, called David Cox. Are Australian. you about to do an <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel Australian. like you were. No, no. <laughs>
1: All right, cover. <laughs> um,
2: and he is talking about how uh, learning more about how the brain works, um, how it res- people respond psychologically in different situations can make you a better school leader. So uh, it's not just about learning um, about the brain um, and how people learn to help you be a better classroom teacher. It's also when you're managing your staff um, and understanding things like uh, how people respond to feedback as if it is a threat quite often and finding a way to navigate mm, around that. Mm. Um, and he's talking about the work of... Um, a uh, professor called Dr. David Rock, um, who's written a lot about this. Um, he's coined the term neuroleadership. Um, well, that's yes. a new one. So um, he's uh, given lots of advice about how um, leaders can learn from this kind of emerging field of neuro- neuroscience um, and um, apply that to their practice. Definitely an interesting read.
1: And with a fair wind, we might lose a, a, f- a f- we might lose fewer school leaders Potentially. to bring it back to that point about the IFC. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That sounds like a really interesting read. Mm.
0: Great, right, well, that leads me to say thank you to Helen and thank you to Ed, and
1: Cheers. thank you
0: for listening and make sure you tune in next week.